All right, we are in this series called Portraits, and I like it because it builds, again, it builds off the last few series. This whole year has been about, okay, spiritual growth, and how do we grow, and how do we enter the presence of God, and now we're looking at different people within the Bible and how we can glean from them. What can we learn from them to help us on our spiritual journey? So this morning... This morning, um, I want to I want to talk about someone who used their wisdom and their courage to not only impact a nation, but the world. It comes from Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27. It says this. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and the other. And I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, "What what you're doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You should, rep- you should re- represent the people before God and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and instructions made known to, uh, to, and make known to them the way they are to go and the things that they are to do. You should also look for able men among the people, men who fear God are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And, the, and these people will go to their home in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from all Israel and appointed them as heads over peoples and officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people all the times. Hard cases they brought to Moses, but any minor case they decided for themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went home to his own country. I love this text, because basically what it is saying to us is that as we are on our spiritual journey, we need mature, thoughtful people all along the way to help us on that journey. Every single person here, doesn't matter where you are in your stage of life, you are on a journey with God. And every single one of us needs those mature people in our lives, those, those discerning people in our, in our lives, those thoughtful people who will help us do what God has created us to do. Now, we all, most of us here, I think everyone pretty much knows the story of Moses, right? Moses, God, burning bush, and he goes to, he goes to Pharaoh, and he, you know, let my people go, and you know, we, we understand the story. So it, in, in this part of our story, Moses is reunited with his wife and his children. They were staying with Jethro, his father-in-law, who was a Midianite priest. 
Jethro was astonished, okay, astonished by what God had done, the miracles that God had performed while leading his people out of Egypt. So he, Jethro understood all that. He knew, obviously knew who Moses was, knew what Moses had accomplished, knew how God was using him. Now keep that in the back of your mind as we go through this story. So he's absolutely astonished, but but he also is very concerned now about Moses' state of mind and, and the stress that, that he is carrying as he tries to lead the people of Israel forward, right? So he's the leader. And Jethro is on the outside looking in and saying, you know, showing up with his wife and his children, seeing what Moses is doing and saying, wow, this is, this is overwhelming. He fears that Moses will not be able to handle everything that is placed on his shoulders he, he, he's really concerned that he can't handle all these problems. So he gives him some pretty simple advice. He says, find some, find some people, find some men who you can trust. OK, you got to find some people, surround yourself with some people that you can trust. People who are not going to take advantage of those that you that, that are in their lives, that they, they oversee. Because, you know, if you pick the wrong people and you give them that kind of authority and they, you know, they could take advantage of folks. So he's saying, you know, make sure you pick some people who are not out for dishonest gain. We're not going to take advantage of anyone. And you got to find men who are absolutely going to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind and strength. That's what he's that's what he's saying. And then he says, here's what you want to do. You find these people and then you group, you group people under them in thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. You, you group people under them so they can help you. Otherwise, you are going to, in our vocabulary, you're going to burn out, man. You're not going to make it. You can't sustain this day and night, day after day, taking all the problems of all the people on your own shoulders. Moses listens to him. And he implements his advice. See, here's the thing. No matter how strong you are as a leader, no matter what you think of yourself as a, as a, as a leader, we need other people around us. We need those people with, the, with, the, with specific skills who can help us, give us wise counsel, and help us down the path that God has designed for us, that God has laid out for us. And again, I'm going to say it doesn't matter what your background doesn't matter where you are in the company. It doesn't matter your position. Every single one of us needs those people in our lives who are going to give us wise counsel, who have discernment, who can tell us right from wrong sometimes, who will tell us things maybe we don't want to hear. And that's particularly true if God has given you a leadership position. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 20, it says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. If you want to be wise, if you want to be a good parent, if you want to be good in your in your business, if you it doesn't matter, then you will accept instruction from those who are wise. You surround yourself with people who, you know, it's funny when when uh, when Deb and I first got married, we started having kids and we're we're kind of wondering, you know, gosh, how, you know, how do you how do you do this? And one of the benefits of being in a church and being a pastor is you, you, you see a lot of different families. And early on where we were in Florida, we were in Massachusetts and we would we would literally study families who seem to be doing it right. I mean, you look at their kids and they're, you know, they had three or four kids or five kids. You know, you're always going to have people going astray here and there. No family's perfect. No parents are perfect. 
But they seem to be doing it right. And we listen to them. We study them. And in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, it tells us where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. If you want to be successful, you listen to people around you who will give you sound biblical advice. If you want to fail at parenting in your business and anything else, then you don't listen to sound advice. You just think you can do it all on your own. And this is what Jethro is saying here. This is what the Bible is saying. Jethro comes to Moses and says, hey, Moses, you know what you're doing here? Not good. We got we, We've got to do something about this. Interestingly enough, too, Jethro's model of spiritual development and, and, and kind of growing people and then spreading the, the burden of responsibility was a great idea then. It was a, uh, a great biblical idea then, and it's a great idea now. 21st century, read some business books. This is what they're going to say. Structure, whether it's a school structure or a business structure or church structure or home, doesn't matter. Delegating that responsibility, giving people responsibility, it works. It worked then and it works. Actually, it works better today. Jesus had a similar strategy, a similar model. What did Jesus do? Think about this. Moses, amazing. Okay, leader of a nation. Amazing. Jesus is God. All right. But what does he do? He goes out and finds 12 people that he can invest his life in. Jesus didn't need anyone's advice, to be honest with you. Jesus didn't need anyone to accomplish anything he wanted to do. But what did he do? He set an example. He set a model. He surrounded himself with men and he, he invested in their lives. And they, what happened then, he invests in their lives, and in turn, they invest in other people's lives. And they invest in other people's lives. And lo and behold, we're all sitting here today. Because of that model, the early church was structured in that way. Cluster is what we would call today home-based small groups. But it was, it, that's, the way they, that's the way they set the church up. This is an incredible model. Jethro was right on target. He knew exactly what he was talking about. So Jethro kind of jumped in to help Moses for several reasons. And the text kind of lays it out. But let's read from uh, verses 17 and 18 again. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. Didn't say it was wrong. It's just it's not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and the people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. His concern for Moses came from his observations. Think about this. So he brings his wife and his and his children back. All right. Brings them back. And now he's kind of looking from the outside in and he's he's watching what's happening with Moses. And you can just imagine the picture. All right. People standing around all morning, all day, all to the, the night, from morning until night. Moses, I'm sure he could see on Moses face the, just the exhaustion of one person, one family, one group after another coming to coming to him and asking the questions. And Moses has to give this discernment. And this is what God's word says. And here's how you're supposed to handle this. And they just keep coming. They just keep this wasn't a church. This was a nation. And they just keep coming. And you can see Jethro's in Jethro's mind saying, whoa, he. He's not going to last. No one can endure this alone. No one can endure this alone. So he was concerned. He's, these are observations. And he, he sees the toll that this leadership burden is having on, on Moses' physical and emotional state. 
Jethro cares about Moses because he's also obviously the, the, the father of Moses' wife and the grandfather of Moses' children. And he also sees how Moses' style of leadership right now in this case could have a really profound negative effect on the family. And Jethro's also, like I said, genuinely concerned about Moses and where he is in his spiritual and emotional health. And he also cares about the people. He lays that out. You can't, the, the people cannot continue to do this. You, you've got to make a change. So he's very concerned both with Moses and the people. Moses, because Moses is going to be completely wore out, he's going to have maybe a nervous breakdown, he's going to burn out, or the case may be, and the people, because he's watching them basically stand around all morning until the evening. And you say to yourself, well, who cares? I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, so they have to stand around from morning until evening. Boo-hoo, right? Now, this is, pretty, this is actually pretty amazing. Jethro is way, way, way ahead of the time when it comes to understanding people and the psychology of waiting. Okay, now we have so much more information or whatever else, but Jethro was way ahead of the curve. He's way ahead of his time when it came to understanding human nature, if you will, okay, and the psychology of waiting. If you do, if you do any studies, let me just, I'll, I'll read you. I'm going to read you from an article in the New York Times. It kind of lays it out well when it comes to this concept of waiting. Some years ago, executives at the Houston airport faced a troubling uh, consumer relation issue. Passengers were, were lodging an inordinate amount of complaints about the long waits at baggage claim. In response, the executives increased the number of baggage handlers working that shift. The plan worked. The average wait fell to eight minutes, well within the industry benchmarks. But the complaints persisted. Puzzled, the airport executives undertook a more careful on-site analysis. They found that it took passengers a minute to walk from their arrival gates to the baggage claim and seven minutes more to get their bags. Roughly 88% of their time, in other words, was spent standing around waiting for their bags. So the airport decided on a new approach. Instead of reducing the wait times, it moved the arrival gates away from the main terminal and routed bags to the outmost carousel. Passengers now had to walk six times longer to get their bags. Complaints dropped to nearly zero. Right? Think about it. They get there in a minute and they're waiting for their bag. Oh, how long does it take the bag to get here? But if you're walking and talking, hey, I'm doing something, I'm going somewhere, you walk six times as long, you get there, and lo and behold, there's my bag. This place is awesome. Right? Man, I get here and there's my bag. But if you get there in a minute and have to stand around waiting for your bag, seven minutes, how long it takes someone to throw a bag on a thing? Where's my bag? Where's my bag? Right? You've been there. You've seen it. You think, oh, I've been here for 25 minutes. You've been here for five minutes. But still, you're waiting around. You're standing around. It's amazing. Jethro hit the nail right on the head. He understood human nature and knew something. He knew that something needed to be done. So he was concerned. Right? He was concerned. But concern rarely accomplishes anything without courage. Right? 
It was nothing wrong with being concerned. He was concerned. But concern rarely accomplishes anything without courage. Jethro has the courage to speak up and say to Moses, what you're doing is not good. This is not good. I, I love you. This is, just, this, this is not going to work. If, if, you, if you continue down this road, you're going to have basically a nervous breakdown. That's number one. And number two, these people are, after a while, if, you don't, if this doesn't change, these people are going to riot. Because again, you can just picture him standing back and watching and Moses and going, thinking to himself, oh, Moses, man, you're, you're, you look overwhelmed. And then watching all these people stand around. And you can imagine the conversation. They probably weren't smiling. And well, I can't wait for my turn in about seven hours. And then they stand there, right? And then they stand there for seven, 10, 12, 15 hours. And Moses doesn't get to them. And they have to go home and come back the next day. And it's seems to me they didn't have a good system in place of who okay your ticket your number 573 you know what i mean what are we on four like oh golly we're on, we're on four yesterday and i stood here all day and he saw that and he's saying if you don't deal with this you're going to have all kinds of problems on your hand the work is too heavy for you you cannot cannot do it alone now please do not underestimate the courage it took for Jethro to go and talk to Moses. To put it in our context, imagine you work for a Fortune 500 company and you see your, the, the CEO of your company is really running from here to there and he spoke at this last thing and you saw him behind the scenes kind of lean up against the wall and he looked really tired and, and he had maybe, maybe, maybe he got out of his car and his wife was kind of shaking her finger, whatever the case may be, and you see all this and you... you Hello, sir. Yes. Who are you? I work on the second floor, but I noticed that you were, you know, having a struggle with your wife. And I noticed and and I just want to point out that, you know, um, you know, if you continue down the path that you're going right now, you you could you could lose your family. Um, You could get overwhelmed and really stressed out. And what you're doing is not good or healthy. So I wanted to point I wanted to point that out. Um, You look like you're going to crumble under the pressure. So I think you need a little margin, create a little, you know, can you imagine going to this and sincere as you can possibly be going to someone in that position and saying to them, I just hear my heart. I'm, I'm watching and you could really run into some trouble here. Man, we don't even want in a Christian world, we don't even want to go to pastors sometimes or Christian leaders or our famous authors and, and point out what we see in their lives, even the people closest to them, Right. Their publisher doesn't want to say anything about what they're seeing in their lives and the struggle they're facing because they want them to pump those books out. And the people, some of the people just enamored all the time. Oh, they're so wonderful. No one wants to walk up because who am I to tell this person? It'd be difficult to walk up and say, you know, I've watched other people in the past and I and I you're you're really um, in a position where you could maybe backslide here or your family could crumble and. Uh, but we don't do it. But, but here's the reality. Don't we all, haven't we all read enough about pastors who've fallen into sin? And we go, how could he possibly? I don't understand. He's my favorite person. He ran off with who? And she did what with what? And all this. But are we really surprised? The people are under so much pressure and sometimes no one's telling them the truth. 
No one's telling them the truth that they they could fall into a backslidden position here or something or or maybe they're they're working so hard and going so fast and going every direction that their family just can't take the pace anymore. And so what do they what do you read about that? This person who you love, the author and, or the podcast person, whatever, either went off the deep end or they're taking a break from ministry, right? They're taking a break from ministry. Many of them did not have Jethro's in their life to sit them down in love and say, I'm concerned about you. And if you continue down this pace, something very difficult could happen. It takes a lot of courage to step up and speak the truth into someone's life, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend or whether it's a stranger. It takes a lot of courage. It took a lot of courage for Jethro to walk up to Moses and speak to him on that level. Jethro demonstrates courage. First, he demonstrates concern. Then he demonstrates courage. But then what I love about the story is that he does something even even more or equally as important. And a lot of you are kind of going there in your minds. He offers a solution to the problem. Because it's okay, you, you know, you have, you, have the, you have concern for the person and, you know, you, you, you have the courage and it's, oh, this is good. You have the courage to come up and say, I see some things right now that maybe would help, or blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, and then what you, from, I'll just use the church, for example. Many times people will say, well, I, I see this and I think we should do that and I think we should, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But then you turn around and say, well, could, you know, could you maybe be the person who would, no, 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 no. I just come with all kinds of concerns and with, with your, with the truth, but I'm not going to help. I have no solutions to the problem. Jethro, okay, not only came to Moses because he was concerned about the whole situation because he had the courage to do it, but he processed through some solutions and then brought them to Moses. He didn't emotionally just one up and say, well, I'm sick and tired of every time, blah, blah, blah. And, every, and you say, well, what are, you, what are some solutions? What can we do? I don't, I don't know. That's your problem. No, Jethro comes and says, I got a concern, had the courage to talk to him and then brings solutions See, this is important because rarely is criticism desired or well-received by anyone if the person bringing it doesn't have any response to help, doesn't have any desire to help solve the problem. It's, you know, people say, well, you're just being, you're being defensive. Not me personally. I'm just saying when you talk to someone, you're being defensive or you don't receive things or you don't accept whatever. Well, sometimes well, most of the time, you know this, it's not well received. Criticism's not well received if the person giving the criticism doesn't have a solution or want to help with the problem. This is what I love about Jethro. So Jethro explains his plan to Moses. First, first, he encourages Moses to continue to be the people's representative because that is the responsibility that God had given to Moses. And Jethro it was not going to come and confront God's you know, design for Moses. All right? So he says you've got to continue to be the representative of God because that's the role that God has laid out for him to fulfill. But he suggests some major changes in the way that Moses fulfills those responsibilities. So he's not changing and saying, well, you know, because if you're given responsibility, it's like when you tell people, you've all said this. Most of you said this to someone at one, some time or another. You know, you don't have to work harder, just work smarter. 
In other words, you, you have the responsibility. You're the boss. So, you, you know, you have to continue to run your company or you have to continue to, to do your thing with your family. You have to continue to be the, the head of this, uh, you know, this uh, you know, board or whatever else. But you need to work. You need to work smarter. You don't need to work harder. And right now you're doing it all yourself. We've all many of us have said that to people. Just work smarter. Don't work harder. That's what he's kind of laying out here. He suggests some major changes, not in the responsibility but how he fulfills his responsibility. So Jethro basically counsels him to spend the bulk of his time. He says, I want you to spend the bulk of your time teaching others to apply God's truth. So spend the bulk of your time building into other people's and turn the administration of the of the of the disputes over to capable people. You take the, I want you to turn the administration of all this over to capable people. So when they bring their disputes, okay, someone else is going to administer that. And what they're going to do is if they can handle the problem, they're going to handle it. If they can't handle the problem, then Moses, you handle the problem. So he kind of lays this all out, a very well thought through plan. The most difficult cases go to Moses and those who, Moses, those who can handle, if you can handle the other problems, just handle them. See, the benefit of Jethro's plan is basically twofold. I'm going to read verse 23 again. It says, if you do this and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will go to their home in peace. First, Moses is going to be able to relieve himself from a lot of the strain and the stress that he has to endure right now. You don't have to do that anymore. Okay, so that's number one. That's that's a very positive thing. The other the other side of that, he says, the second thing is that people can go home in peace because they won't have to stand around from morning until night every single day. And again, that's really important. You don't need a riot on your hands. And that's what you're going to get if people come back every single day and still can't get hurt. They can't get their 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 their, you know, their concern in front of someone who can make a decision. So it helps Moses and it helps the people. See, I think Moses deserves a lot of credit here for listening to his father-in-law and for implementing his plan. So Jethro comes to him, okay? And he tells him this, and Moses not only listens, he, he sits and he listens to Jethro, but he also implements his plan. That says a lot about the leadership style of Moses. A lot about his character and his leadership style. I want you to think about this, okay? Think about this. Moses is not the CEO of a company. Moses is not the head of a mega church. Moses is not the head of some whatever organization. Moses is the leader of a nation of two million people. Okay? Moses, go back in the story. Moses is Moses, man. Burning bush, up the hill, you know, up the mountain. You know, then he goes to Pharaoh, all the plagues. I mean, Moses, I mean, you think about what he has accomplished, what he was able to and how God has used him. All right? Up until this point. He's the man. It's Moses, for goodness sake. Okay? Moses. And Moses listens to the advice of a rancher who's a part-time Midianite priest. I'm sorry. That's all you need to know about this man's humility. If you question Moses' humility, there it is. 
Someone comes to him instead of saying, what have you ever done? Right. Then that will what people do sometimes you get in a position and anyone who's maybe in this position from your perspective says anything to you. What do you know? Where, what have you done? Tell me what you've done. Maybe I'll listen to your advice. Tell me what you've done. Look where I am. How can you tell me? Why should I listen to you? Why should I listen to you? Because maybe you have some wisdom from God. Maybe you have some discernment. Maybe you love me enough that you want to make sure that I don't fall into any pits. Maybe those things are true. Moses showed massive humility. And that's what we need. We need to glean from these portraits, if you will, in our own lives. Moses was a humble man. And this story is all we need to know about his humility. See, here's the thing. We need to follow the example of both of these men. We need to follow the example of Jethro because he was a man who was concerned for other people. He was a man who had the courage to speak the truth into someone's life. And he was the man who was willing to think through and bring solutions to the problem. That's who we have to be. We, get, we see something in the church. We see something at work. We see something in our school. If you go to school and you, the teachers are this and the administration is that. And so you see something. You're concerned. You have concerns. Other parents have concerns. So what do you do? You have concerns. You have the courage to sit down and talk to the person about your concerns and lay them all out. But what you also do is you sit down with the principal or the superintendent and you bring some solutions to the problem. Maybe it's important. Maybe I can get 10 parents together. And the next time we do this event, the 10 parents or 20 parents that I recruit, that I train will come and make sure that everyone knows where everyone is. So the kids aren't running off into the woods. The kids aren't doing this, whatever else. And the superintendent most likely will say, thank you very much. You're a wonderful human being. Next time we do this, we'll get you to be the leader of this and you get 20 people and they'll put them around and the kids won't run wild and no one will get hurt. We need to follow Jethro's example. Concern for other people, the courage to bring it up, and then the desire to bring solutions to the problem. And obviously, we also have to follow Moses because of his incredible leadership style. He was, his humility and leadership is amazing. And his willingness to listen to wise counsel. How many of us will not listen to wise counsel? How many of us keep living our lives like we know exactly what we're doing? You know, I don't need to listen to anybody else. What do they know? Oh, that's just pride. That's something we need to work on. That's something we need to get rid of out of our lives. We need to surround ourselves with people who will speak truth into our lives. And we want and we want we're asking them, hey, have you ever seen me going off? Whatever. If you ever please bring it to my attention. I need you to do that for me. Hey, there's an area of my life I really need to work on. And I would love it if you see me doing it. Could you please just, you know, get me aside? I don't want to be embarrassed. Just get me aside and and say, well, I saw you doing that again. And and that's that's the attitude that we should have. That's the attitude that Moses had. He had humility and leadership and a willingness to follow wise counsel. So as we go into our time of communion, here's what I'd like to do. I want us to ask God. I want us to ask God to allow these truths to become a part of our character. The character of Jethro and the character of Moses. Ask God to allow these, these, these men's character to become a part of our character. 
So as we, we do this the time of communion and we just remember what Jesus Christ has done for us and we remember that because of what Jesus has done for us, we have the power of the resurrection in our lives. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can accomplish what God has for us. We can learn these lessons. We can apply these lessons to our lives. We can have the character of Jethro. We can have the character and leadership style of Moses. And the last thing I think we can all learn from this, this is so, so important. Okay, write this down. You should always listen to your father-in-law. Okay? I think I got both mine here. Yeah, now, yeah, let's, yeah, I need some amens, right? I need some, yeah, see? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to listen to your father all the time. Let's bow our heads. and Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to communion. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're just so grateful that we can be in your presence and, and worship you this morning. We just pray, dear God, that we would leave here different people than when we came in. That you would continue to transform us, Lord God, as we're on this spiritual journey. I pray that we'd be on it together. We'd be able to speak into each other's lives the truth of your word, that we'd be able to encourage one another, be able to challenge one another, to protect one another from harm. And God, I pray that we'd be open to listen. And God, most of all, that we'd listen to you. We love you, we praise you, we thank you for this time that we can spend together in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great, great Fourth of July weekend.